I first met Anna Davis and her two sons at the square, at Iola's June 7th rally for Black Lives. Her story, her passion, her insistence that we have no time to waste in creating a better world for our children stood out to me. Today, I speak with her about her experiences growing up as a black American and living in Iola, her thoughts about what needs to change, and how, amidst the tireless struggle for justice, she finds joy. I'm Tim Stoffer. this is Registered, and here's our conversation. Thanks again for being here. Where are you from originally? I, I don't know you um, <laughs> from any other back or any other situation. I'm actually from here. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, born and raised? Well, I was born in Wichita. Um, my mom was killed when I was one, and my grandparents lived in Colony. Um, they took me and my four, my three sisters, I'm sorry. And so I was in Colony until I was eight, and then my grandparents and I moved here to Iowa, and I have... It's been my hometown ever since. Really? <laughs> cool. What year did you graduate high school? 2007. Okay. Okay. I graduated in 2003. So okay. I guess we didn't overlap at all now that I think about it. You <laughs> probably, I guess you were coming in when I was leaving. Um, well, I met you at June 7th's uh, rally for Black Lives, the Solidarity Rally here in Iola. Right. And... Um, your comments and your son's comments really stood out to me. And I wanted to ask you about where your um, courage to speak out and the energy to do that, because I think it takes a lot to not only show up at a rally, but to get on the stage and speak in front of a bunch of people. Right. Where does that come from? Why, why do you do this? It is, I think it's something that's kind of embedded in me. Um, I am actually biracial. I come from a very mixed up family. And uh, I was raised by my grandparents and um, my grandparents happened to be white. They were from, my grandmother was from a very small farm town in Missouri. my mother's father's side of the family, um, they all have uh, Confederate heritage, um, being from that area of Missouri. They're very proud of it, um, hmm. regardless of your family or not. Hmm. Um, I think that's kind of where uh, I realized there was kind of a void. There was definitely an unacceptance of me. And um, <clears throat> that started probably when I was about, I would say six or seven. We'd go to family reunions, things like that. And, you know, uh, you're automatically kind of singled out. And um, my mom was kind of the black sheep. Uh, she you know, was married to African-American men. And that was, uh, and her family, a no-go. Um, It's just something that I think has been embedded in me because I know what's right and what's wrong. Do you remember as a young girl feeling, I imagine your experiences with race and racism then, I mean, are are some of your earliest memories. 
right? I it, mean, it definitely leaves you feeling less than. Yeah. Um, it leaves you feeling like you are, I guess you're just trying to comprehend why people don't like you. Um, at that age, I think you're just trying to, you know, fit in with your family or the people around you. And you're just trying to figure out, like, what is it about me that causes you to be so standoffish or, like, you know. And I think that that kind of, um, I guess, a hurt would be kind of what sparks my passion about it. Because... Um, we shouldn't be having to feel that kind of hurt. Um, we're people, we're human beings, and uh, we all have different stories, different backgrounds. And uh, I think that you should love people like how they are. I don't think that race should have a play in that. Today's Juneteenth, uh, the oldest known celebration recognizing the emancipation um, of slavery. What does Juneteenth mean to you? How do you commemorate it? It is our Independence Day. That is when everybody in this country was free. Um, it's important to me because I think that a lot of people over time have lost track of that and I think that is important because that is our, that's our, you know, the root of our culture. I think that um, here in America, um, it's when we were free and we were kind of allowed to, in a sense, kind of become ourselves and break away from bondage. And uh, I think that um, it's important that you teach your children what Juneteenth is. I think that it should be just as important as July 4th. And uh, recognized as a national holiday. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have children, right? I met your son, Mac. Mm -hmm. um, is, is he your only child? Um, I have two, um, Britton. That's right. You mentioned that to me. Okay. Um, well, I wanted to ask about living in such a predominantly white community as a person of color and particularly as a mother of uh, young children. Do you feel like you're swimming upstream? Does it feel um, heavier than it needs to be? I, I think that um, if I was in a different community, a more diverse community, I think that it would possibly be more comfortable for me. Um, I feel like that fear for my son is always going to be there regardless of where I'm at just because of how the system is. But I definitely feel like being in a more diverse place would help with that comfortability. It would kind of allow me to let my guard down a little bit, you know, because here it's not just I'm not just worried about police, you know. I'm I'm worried about people who still have those ugly, hateful views and what they may or may not say to my son or what he might have to endure at school or things like that. How do you talk to your son about issues like this? When you see events like 
the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, Rayshard Brooks, just recently in, outside in, in a Wendy's in Atlanta. Um, does he come to you asking what's going on? Is he at that age? He is. Um, he's very aware. Very aware. Um, we talk about things just like I would talk to you. You know, I don't sugarcoat things for my son. Um, I think that that's a dangerous game to play. And I think... How so? What do you mean? I think that um, he is a young black boy in America, going to grow up to be a black man in America, and I feel like he needs to know the truth of everything. He needs to know the severity of what's going on. Um, he needs to know how deeply rooted it is. And he needs to know that... Um, you know, he needs to know that we're, you know, trying to make a change. We're trying to change this and that his life does matter. And um, I just think that if you aren't completely honest with your kids, they kind of, um, they kind of have a vision of the world through kind of rose colored glasses, so to speak. They, you know, uh, I think in the long run it, develops more hurt, more confusion, more pain. Um, if you're not honest with them about, you know, the situations with police and the system, that how it is, um, I think that that's dangerous is when they get older, they start to drive, they start to become their own individuals and venture out into the world a little bit. And they're not aware of the precautions that they should be taking or, you know, things that they should be looking for, you know, ways that they're supposed to keep themselves safe in certain situations. I think that it's definitely dangerous to not be honest and forthcoming with your kids about things like that. We'll be right back. In these uncertain times, many things have changed. Plans have been placed on hold, events and celebrations canceled. But some things shouldn't change, like your goals and dreams. A college education is still your best path forward. And now is a great time to learn online. Allen Community College has been providing award-winning distance education for 20 years. With exciting courses, in-demand programs, and credentialed instructors, Allen Online Learning is the region's leader in quality higher education. Allen is enrolling now. Summer sessions begin June 8th, and the fall semester begins August 17th. With one low tuition rate, fall scholarships, and financial aid available, Allen remains accessible and affordable. Visit allencc.edu to learn more. Allen Community College, where more than education, we're opportunity. What does your activism look like? What are you involved in? Um, you know, I met you at the rally on the square. Are there other struggles that, um, or there are other efforts with which you're you're involved or a part of? Um, I have been to a couple different rallies in Kansas City. Um, they are actually getting ready to have another one up there for uh, police accountability. Um, I am very um, into everything from social media to blogs to, I mean, just anything that can possibly 
enlighten me, educate me, that can I can put my voice out there, I can, you know, try to put my foot in the door and help to make these changes. Um, I am very interested in the Black Panther Party. Um, I am for all they stand for, and uh, I'm actually considering trying to join that. Um, which is something that's kind of scary for me living in this area because mm -hmm. I'm kind of scared of how people are going to perceive that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that being involved in as many things as you can, even if they're small, it all adds up. And the more people that you can influence, you know, I think that no matter how small or how large, you know, the things are that you're involved in and that you're trying to make a change in, I think that it's all important. When you look at America today, whether it be at a local, regional, state, national level, um, what are some specific things, either some laws or some policies or um, even just some way, the way some systems function? What do you think what can you point to and say, this needs to change and this is the way to fix it? Um, I think that, number one, the laws, um, there's so many laws that protect these officers uh, to where they're not made to have accountability. They don't have to. Um, the law is on their side and that's the only accountability that they need. And I think that that's something that definitely needs to change. I think that... Um, You're probably talking about qualified immunity, right? The system. Right. And I think that um, there should be a lot more training that goes into being uh, a civil servant. Because at the end of the day, that's what you are. You're here to protect and serve everyone. And um, to try to help make your community flourish and stay safe. And I feel like um, not everybody is included in that. And uh, I think that there's a lot of deep-rooted ugliness, not only in the system, but I think when a lot of these people go to join the force, I think some of them have that um, rooted in them. And I feel like sometimes the force is just a easy way for them to be able to express that without having to be accountable for that. Um, I think that maybe some defunding would be something that is important because they are heavily funded, um, heavily unionized. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like um, beating your head against a brick wall because there's just so much that goes into protecting them that it makes it almost impossible for us to be able to say, okay, well, we feel like, you know, he's going to be held accountable or he's going to be charged for this or this was gross misconduct or, you know, I think that there definitely needs to be more laws in place to take away those protections, not all of them because they are officers and they do deserve protections just like the rest of us. But I think that when it comes to this, those certain protections that make them exempt from accountability of taking a person's life, and, and uh, especially a black person's life, 
I think that there needs to be stricter guidelines, stricter laws, heavier um, qualifications, things like that, definitely. I want to ask you a question. Just tell me about your own experiences with law enforcement. I ask because I think, um, and I know it's a heavy question, and, and if there's things that you don't feel comfortable sharing, you don't have to. I just think it's something that um, many of us who aren't black have no idea about. Um, about this. It's. I am yet to this day to have a pleasant uh, experience, like, I, you know, just a simple, pleasant, random, you know, somebody gets pulled over for, you know, your brake lights out. Um, I was coming home from picking Britain up from Coffeeville, and uh, we were coming through Thayer. Um, we were pulled over by a, a highway patrolman, and he came up to the car. He approached the vehicle on the passenger side of the car. He didn't come up to my window. Um, he let me know that I had a brake light out, but that was where that ended. After that, it was, who is this child? What are you doing with him? Um, where are you coming from? Is where are you going to? He is sitting in the back seat. Okay. Um, it was a complete interrogation of what I was doing with a white child mm -hmm. in my car. Mm -hmm. There was no thought of maybe this is my child or, you know, uh, anything else. It was I was a threat to this white child. And he wanted to know exactly what was going on right then. You know, um, my son felt very uncomfortable. Um, I know afterwards he expressed a lot of anger about that situation. Um, it hurt him, but it angered him because he knew it was wrong. At 12 years old, he knew the entire situation was wrong. And he's white. Mm -hmm. And so he's seeing this seeing you being subject to mm -hmm. injustice and already feeling like he has a grip on injustice in the world mm -hmm. yeah do you feel seen in <laughs> Iola seen in, in the sense that um, well I, I, I'll just ask that and let you um, answer I'm gonna say yes and no I feel like I'm seen in the sense that um I am a minority in a predominantly white community. So I think it's hard not to see me. <laughs> but I think that as far as being seen or really being heard, I don't really I don't really think so. And I think sometimes I'm a little bit misunderstood because I tend to be a very passionate person about things. And so I would say in one sense, yeah, I feel like I'm seen, but in another sense, no, I don't. I asked uh, Daniel and Nicole Schoengert the same question a couple days ago. Um, in activism, where do you find joy? Where do you find hope? 
I think that my joy is seeing little small victories that are all kind of adding up. Um, there's been a lot of little small victories going on um, due to all of these protests and I think that that is a really big deal um, because you have to start somewhere and uh, I think it's a good start. I think people are starting to realize the fact that I see so many people unifying with us for this cause that brings me a lot of joy. It brings me a lot of pride and it brings me a lot of hope because people are, the light's starting to click on for people. They're starting to change. They're starting to be aware. They're starting to empathize. And for me, that's a really big deal. Because um, I think, you know, I definitely feel like, like I had said in my speech, I feel like it's a problem with the heart. I think that's where it all comes down to. You know, people have these ugly malice feelings or these um, ugly thoughts or ideas. And I think once you start to change people like that, I think that's a really big deal because when you start to change people like that, then you can really start to change bigger things. And so that brings me a lot of joy when I see that. When I, when I went to our protest here and saw all of the people that were there, I was not expecting that many people to be there and that gave me a sense of so much pride, not just in our community, but in the movement because we're reaching people, you know, people are starting to listen and that gives me a lot of pride. And I think another thing that gives me a lot of pride is um, how many youth are so active in this. Um, they are, I mean, they're out there. They're out there with all the rest of us. They are protesting. They are, you know, doing what they can. They are, you know, organizing rallies and, you know, doing these things, showing up at council meetings, the youth, you know, like it's, it's crazy. But I think that it's great because we have to reach them for the, you know, the ugliness of the world does. And I think that they, our youth really know what's right and what's wrong as far as race goes. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. When you look back at the June 7th rally, it's been almost two weeks. Do you think it changed enough? Do you think it made the impact you were looking for? Um, and then I guess the follow-up question is, like, what next? Um, you know, I've heard from several people there's a concern that, like, yeah, we did this thing and we marched or we showed up to the square, and so we're kind of done. <laughs> um, how do you kind of work with that momentum to make sure that it wasn't just a, a you know, one-day thing and then um, that's, that's kind of it? Uh, it has been kind of rough, I will say, because um, it has been kind of uh, radio silence since the protest. 
like not you know everywhere but here in particular and so that's kind of rough um just in terms of amongst your friends or I think on? just the community in general uh-huh. you know I think it was just kind of a I don't know I, I don't really know how to say it so I won't say it <laughs> but um I think that there was a really strong show of support and I think that we just need to take that support and kind of take it to the next level you know we need to be showing up at city council meetings we need to be you know contacting senators and congressmen we need to be you know trying to do as many things at a local and state level as possible you know um i understand that we don't have the minority population that other places do but i think it's important that we become more inclusive of the small population of minorities we do have here i think that we're kind of being from here even as a minority I think that sometimes we become so complacent um just with where we're at just the kind of normalcy of everything and I think we need to kind of get outside of that box and kind of just I don't know I think everybody needs to be more included in community things and activities and things like that planning and things like that to just really make yourself be known in the community things you know you're hitting on something and alluding to the fact that Allen County Kansas as a state the vast majority of people here are white how do you talk to white people about why this is also a struggle that they need to be a part of um Right now, I feel like the white people who are supportive of us are um, main components in changing everything. Um, where we not might we might not be able to be heard or seen, you can. You know, um, your voices are going to be heard a lot over ours, and we need you to use that platform. You know, we need you to um, be vocal about this, you know, um, at whatever level you're at um, in activism. I think that definitely being vocal um, is a big thing because sometimes you can relate better when you feel like you have something in common with somebody. And so I think that as a white person in support of this movement and in support of this, that you should definitely use that platform to reach other white people or not because you can kind of break down that wall of uncomfortability because they can, you know, okay, well, you know, maybe she's right, you know. They're just more comfortable with you because you're you're just more like them. You know, if it's me as a black woman and I come up to someone who's not in support of things like this and I, you know, give them my spill of why I'm doing this and, you know, I'm passionate about this and things, they're going to sometimes take that as you're coming off as aggressive or, you know, you're coming off as racist or, you know what I'm saying, anything like that. And so I think definitely um, 
they should use their voice and use their platform to definitely be loud, be vocal, um, show support, try to try to sway people's hearts, try to sway people's minds, try to get in there and as far as, you know, politics, things like that, like, it's important. Claudia Branco, um, she wrote the, she's an African-American professor at Yale, um, and the author of Citizen, said that black life is a condition of mourning where it's really hard to, to ever feel okay. <laughs> do you agree? Yeah, I do. with that because I especially the last couple weeks it's been so emotionally draining and I literally felt and I know that um, all of us as a whole you know um, as African Americans have felt like we're definitely in mourning right now and I feel like we have felt all of the pain that these mothers are feeling. I feel like um, we felt the knee in our neck. Um, we've been feeling the knee in our neck. And uh, I think it's hard to kind of express that. Um, but being an African American here in this country is really scary thing um, whether it's just trying to get a job so you can support your kids um, to whether or not your son's gonna make it home driving home from a practice or you know going out with his friends and hanging out or anything you know I just feel like there's we're on pins and needles constantly and I feel like the world doesn't really see us unless they want to scrutinize us. And so, I guess whenever you feel like um, all of the world's negativity is kind of focused in on you sometimes, um, it definitely leaves you feeling sad. It definitely leaves you feeling like you're in mourning. like you've lost something like you can never fully you know live and I think that that's sometimes just a really hard concept to grasp on a daily basis and uh, it hurts and it's hard and it's scary Well, thank you very, very much for uh, coming here and, and talking with me. No problem. No problem. Thank you so much for having yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> Registered is produced by the Iola Register. For more episodes, subscribe to Registered wherever you get your podcast. Just search Registered or find us online at iolaregister.com slash registered. To support our work, please consider subscribing to the Register. You can find out more at iolaregister.com slash subscribe. And thank you. 
Also, a correction. I erred when saying the last name of Claudia Rankin, the African-American poet, playwright, author of Citizen, and professor at Yale University. Her last name is Rankin, not Rankle. I apologize.